Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. First Samuel 6. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, and the Philistines called for the priests and the and the diviners, saying, "What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place." Okay, the Philistines they had remember they had just experienced humiliation of their false god Dagon falling down before the ark not once but twice. The first time Dagon was fallen down in a position of submission, bowed before the ark. The second time he was decapitated and his hands were cut off, which means there's no life, there's no conscience, there's no works in this God. And uh, just a little something, I was reading the book, uh, the chapter again the other day. Something I found interesting was the Bible words it when they said Dagon's head and, and Dagon's hands, what they said was its head. And its hands, not his head and his hands. The Bible refused to personify a false god, okay? (laughs) So take notice, a little words like that mean a lot. So anyway, they were humiliated of their false god, Dagon, falling twice. And the plague is making everybody sick. Nothing is getting better. Sound familiar? Okay, just I'm just saying, take it for the story of what it is. <laughs> the ark is no longer a war trophy to them. It is now a curse. It is a curse of the worst for them. And so now their top priority is how to get it out of here. Get it out of the territory. Send it back to its place, they said. Now, I want you to take an excruciating observation <laughs> to the fact that nobody is repenting here. Nobody is saying, you know what? This God of Israel must really be something. Why don't we follow him? No, they're saying, get the ark, get the presence of God out of here. Do you see the unrepentant nature of the Philistines here? They're not saying, sorry, Lord God of Israel, for what we have done against your people. No, they're saying, get rid of it. Now, we've seen in Bible stories before where people who worship false gods actually came to believe from the Lord's wrath. God had to do some wrathful thing and it woke them up. They said, oh, we ought to follow this God. Uh, that's happened. It's not happening here. This is an unrepentant move. Get him out of here. We don't want this God around here. The Philistines are not doing that. They're not repenting. They could have, but their heart was too hard for that. It's not in their nature to repent and get right with the Lord God of Israel. Just get rid of him. And so you can see how they consulted with their false priests and even diviners. I hope I'm saying that right. Diviners, diviners. And a diviner is someone who could supposedly foresee. And typically a diviner was somebody that used their supposed foreseeing ability to make moolah. 
to make money, dinero. They were using it for profit. And so they, they got these guys, the diviners, what should we do? And oh, here's what you ought to do. Okay. It's making money off of that is not the way that the godly thing's supposed to work. As a matter of fact, the Lord spoke against diviners in Deuteronomy 18 and 10. Deuteronomy 18.10, he says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Now, you want to know what the Bible says about Harry Potter? (laughs) God did not like these practices here. And so for the Philistines to employ these very things to figure out what to do with the ark, It shows you how anti-God and unrepentant they were. But even these evil diviners and false God priests, they all want the ark gone. They know what's causing the mess. The ark is here. It's not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be with the Israelites. And the Lord is going to use even wicked unbelievers to accomplish his will. The Lord wants the ark back. And the Philistines, even in their unrepentant sinfulness, they want the ark gone. This is a small little piece of application that you could use in your life to understand that even unbelievers in the world, they are going to serve some kind of purpose in God's will in your life. You just follow what the Lord tells you. Don't worry about what the unbelievers are doing. God even uses them to get done what he needs done. 1 Samuel 6 and 3. So they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means, return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering, which we shall return to him? They answered five golden tumors and five golden rats according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So the best thing that the diviners could come up with is they felt they needed to do something that would counter the Lord's anger. Give him some sort of a a tribute of some kind. And the reason they wanted to make golden tumors in rats, I don't know how you make a golden tumor. I don't know what that's supposed to look like. I know what a golden rat's supposed to look like, but hey, leave it to your imagination. The reason they wanted to make these golden tumors in rats is because that's what the plague was they were suffering from. They were suffering from a plague of tumors, and uh, the plague was apparently brought into their country by a bunch of rats. And so the reason they're making five rats and tumors was for the five lords, which oversaw the five cities that were being plagued. So this is five lords, each lord per city, five cities. There's a lot of mass destruction going on here. First Samuel 6 and 5. Therefore you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? When he did mighty things among them, did they not let the people go that they might depart? Okay, they're using a little bit of wisdom here. (laughs) They know a little bit of history. (laughs) You can see that the Lord had made such an example out of the Egyptians. I mean, I figured that when when I first read it. Man, he's making an example out of the Egyptians so that everybody in history from there on could think of this and say, don't mess with the God of Israel. Okay, 
These Philistines are remembering back to that. And so it's serving its purpose here. Uh, it's kind of interesting how so much time before what God did in Egypt is now helping serve a purpose this much later in history now. That's amazing. This is still a warning. Don't mess with the God of Israel or his people. And they don't want to end up like the Egyptians did. They're seeing parallels between themselves and what God did to Egypt when he judged them. They don't want any part of it. Let's get this out of here. First Samuel 6 and 7. Now, therefore, make a new cart, take two milk cows, which have, have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as a trespass offering, in a chest by its side, then send it away and let it go. And watch, if it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Really? You think this just happened to go down when you attacked the Lord's people and stole the ark? Okay, some people got to learn the hard way. And I'm not going to point at them too much because I was one of those people, still am sometime. I got to learn the hard way too. I got a hard head. But the Philistines are testing now let's conduct a test and see if this really came from the God of Israel or not. So they're going to send the trespass offering back on the cart with the ark. Now, I was asked, what is this trespass offering? What is that? And I, my response was, well, first, consider who made the trespass offering, the Philistines. Are they godly right? No. I said, then who cares? They're not right in the head anyway. Okay. So whatever they made, tumors, rats, okay, whatever. That was their thinking. Don't get too hung up on it. <laughs> God never ordained that. So they're sending it back with the ark. They wanted to make this test absolutely as full proof as they could possibly make it. I want to show you the layers. The odds of this cart being pulled towards Beth Shemesh is almost virtually impossible to be done with the way they set this up. They're really testing it big time. Okay, first of all, when you take two milk cows and you hook them up to a cart, that right there is going to cause problems. <laughs> These are milk cows. Typically, they're not used as work animals to pull plows. So they, they specified get milk cows that have never been yoked. These two cows have no idea what it's like to be strapped to a cart. And it, that's typically doesn't work well with an animal when you hook them to a cart for the very first time. They don't like it. They've not been trained for that. If you do this to an animal that's not used to it, they're going to go crazy. And it's going to be near impossible for one cow to pull it that's not used to being hooked up, much less set a second cow to pull with that cow. I mean, you see how impossible this is getting real fast, okay? So the second layer of difficulty they added was take their calves away. Okay. I don't know if you've ever lived on a cattle ranch or not. I have. I, I grew up a lot of my youth on a cattle ranch. We had that dreaded day of cattle separation. When cattle separation day happened, some of you know what I'm talking about. So what we would do is we would separate cows from their calves once their calves were old enough to live on their own. And often those separated cows were placed on a trailer and hauled off to the butcher. And they're, they're gone. And you got all these calves. Mama's gone. Okay, and if you don't think cows can wail, you should hear this. It's really something. There was this one time we separated the cows from the calves. And we kept the cows in a pen near the house. 
all night because the next day we were going to load them up in a trailer. Let's just put them in the pen, which is right. The barn was right behind the house. Put them in the pen next to the barn. We'll get up in the morning. Then all we have to do is back up the trailer, run them up the chute, load them up, get them out of here, take them off. Okay. Well, they were separated from their calves and all night we had to hear it all night. And it was sad. It was a sad sound. All we could hear was the distressing sound of cows mooing for their calves. And I still can't get that sound out of my head today. Nobody got any sleep. We were up the next morning trying to load them in the trailer like this. We were about like what it looked like now. Our eyes were all saggy. It's like, gosh, don't ever do that again. We, went, we thought we were saving ourselves some work in the morning, having to round them up. Next time, just round them up in the morning. It was a long, sad sound all night. And the calves would not wander away from the pen. They wanted to stay close to the mom, to the mom cow. I call it the long farewell because it lasted a long time. I can still hear it. And so the Philistine said, take two milk cows that have never pulled a cart. Not only that, but put them together and take their calves away. There ain't no cow in the world's going to go a certain specific direction like that. A coordinated, combined effort working two cows together cooperatively with their cows taken away. It's not going to happen. And that's why they're setting it up like this. Well, if they go this way, then it was God that did it. Wow. This is a test, guys. This is a test. If they wandered around, then they would just dismiss the plague as mere chance. Oh, it just happened to go that way. If the cows go this way and that, whatever. But if they go right straight back to Israel, back to the people of the God whose ark this is, then we'll know it was him. Now, what are the odds, guys? So let's get into the Philistine way of thinking. Hitching up these cows, they created a situation of binary divination. I guess is a way to put it, which means they were trying to see something by creating a yes or a no circumstance. It's either going to go like this or it's going to go like that. And then we're going to know binary is on or off left or right. And so will these two cows go up the specific direction that we are testing God with, or will they just wander around? Now we have seen examples of binary answer seeking in the Bible before. Such as when Gideon used that fleece to see if it would get wet or not when he was asking a question of the Lord. We've seen these sort of things happen. And now just remember that Gideon did not use the fleece as a means of divination. I want to make that distinction. He's not doing like what the Philistines are doing. Okay. So you got to figure the odds of this cart going in the specific direction the Philistines are going to watch for. The odds are pretty much zero. You can't make this happen. They, they stacked every card against it happening to see if this God who knocked down our Dagon is really as powerful as he seems to be. And they are about to find out. <laughs> he is the Lord, not their false God. So what do you think is going to happen? If I didn't know this story already, I'd say, well, of course God's going to take them right straight to Beth Shemesh. First Samuel 6 and 10. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. Guys, just stop right there and look at that. The cows went straight to Beth Shemesh. 
I think if I was a Philistine looking at that, I'd be thinking, oh, we got the wrong God going on in our culture, don't we? We better fix that. Look what's happening here. You know what gets me is they, they didn't. It doesn't say they repented. And you're thinking, how could you be so dense? Well, I don't know. Why was I so dense until the time I got saved? I don't know. They went straight to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. <laughs> and the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. They're looking to see if this is really going to turn out. Is this really happening? I don't know. I'm going to follow it and see. It says the cows were lowing as they went along. It means they were mooing. It's the same sound I have in my head from those years ago on the long farewell night of cattle separation. It means they were expressing their desire to stay with their calves. These cows still didn't want to go, but they were because the power of God was making them go. Guys, if the Lord can get a cow to do his will when it doesn't want to, then what does that say about us? Oh my gosh. They pulled the <laughs> they pulled the ark straight on course in accordance with God's will, not veering to the left or the right. Friends, God is in control. Total control. Oh, this world's going nuts. Oh, what are we gonna Hey, did you forget? God's in control. And so the lords of the Philistines followed him, followed the cows all the way to the border to see all this going down, to see this happening. Like, I literally can't believe this is actually happening. And it happened. I can imagine the Philistines' jaws dropped, hanging open, just watching all this go down. It's like, we made this as virtually impossible as we could make it. And that's where it's going. Wow. 1 Samuel 6 and 13. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Yay! Remember that. We're happy. Rejoice to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there. So they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden rats according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. Okay, at this point here in time, the Israelites had not seen the ark for seven months. The object of their national identity with God had been lost. It's just gone. And suddenly, uh, it's back. But the whole time it's been gone for seven months, uh, that put them under a great depression. That's the way they felt of it. And so think of how happy they were to not only see the ark again, but to see that it was coming back to them on a cart with no driver on it. 
That's like God sending the ark. He's coming back to us. This is God. You know what? You ever get the feeling that sometimes you have to help God and this cart comes back with nobody on it? Nobody's driving it? Don't you think they should have realized by that God doesn't need our help? He wants our service. He wants our obedience, but he certainly doesn't need our help as if he's incapable. So God has to be doing this. What a sight to see. And they were so excited. Now, let me prepare you for the next verse because it takes yet another bad turn. Now, even though they were glad to see the ark, the people still did not fully know their God yet. And so they made a grave mistake. 1 Samuel 6 and 19. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,000 and 70 men of the people and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Now you're thinking, when does this all stop? When is this going to end? Hey, it stops as soon as man gets back in line with God. That's when it stops. They knew that God had chosen only the Levite priests to handle the ark. They knew this. We just read, the Levites took the ark down, but the men of Beth Shemesh looked in the ark. Even the Levites, even the priests who were supposed to handle the ark, even they had strict rules of handling the ark. Because Why is that so important? Because God's presence was on the ark. I want to show you Numbers 4 and 5. It shows how to prepare the ark for transport. When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his sons, the Levites, shall come. And they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. And so you can see that whenever they wanted to move it somewhere, it was to be covered with a veil. The ark meant that God was with the Israelites dwelling on the ark, but there was a separation that had to be kept between God and man because of man's sin. And they kept that veil. Y'all remember when Jesus Christ died, the veil in the temple that was blocking the way to the ark, what happened to that thing? He ripped it. He ripped it from top to bottom, showing, hey, Jesus made the way. There's now no longer this separation between us anymore. But right here, they're having to keep that strict rules on the separation. I want to show you also Numbers 4 and 15. And when Aaron and his sons, again Levites, have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Whew! <laughs> so even the priests were not allowed to touch the ark. It is holy. God's presence was there. Any of y'all remember going to the tabernacle experience with me? You get to walk into a life-size build of the tabernacle to see what it looked like. When I got back in there where that ark was at, that dark center of the center of the center, I went back behind the veil. Now, I know that's not the real tabernacle. It's not the real ark, okay? But still, I couldn't help but have this sense of dread and awesomeness and absolute reverence hit me to a very heavy level I almost couldn't keep my composure because I'm in here and it's dark and they had an ark in there and I'm just like this is where man was not supposed to go at that time they were not allowed to touch it well how'd they move it they ran poles through it it, little rings and they'd pick it up and carry it not to touch the ark so they were not allowed to touch it because God will not allow sin to come into contact with his purity that's what this is all about
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.